Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. stay standing and uh, thank you for that and uh, for those of you who are just like me want to know how old everybody is I'm 70 tomorrow 74 yay hallelujah so that's great I'm glad and thrilled no place I'd rather be than alive (laughs) all right we're gonna pray and uh, so we're gonna pray for our nation and we're going to pray for the elections and we're just going to pray for what's happening down in Mexico right now. They've already started their service, been in it for 30 minutes. I can tell you they're still running around the church and dancing. Um, so they love that. And um, so let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you that and we live in this wonderful nation that we can gather freely and worship you, worship the God of our heart. And we're unashamed, unashamedly, we can worship you. And I thank you, Father, for that great gift. And Lord, we feel the responsibility as you've called us all to that place of prayer, praying for our nation. And so we know, Lord, that that this strife and all of these things that are happening is not not your best for us. And so we just pray, Lord, that, that there would be a spirit of unity come into our country a spirit of love and kindness. Lord, we pray for those who are grieving that have lost loved ones during this pandemic. We pray, Father, for your comfort. Comforter, come and and heal their hearts and bring hope for their future. We pray for those who are facing financial insecurity. We pray, Father, your word says that you are a God who is more than enough. Your word says in Philippians that you meet every need. We thank you, Father, that you pour out your blessing upon every family. We take authority over fear in the name of Jesus. We are not a nation that walks in fear. We are not a people who walk in fear, but we walk in wisdom and understanding. And we reach out and we help our neighbor. And we thank you, Father, that that you have called us to be a blessing. And so, Lord, that we will be, we will be sensitive to those around us who have needs. We will uh, open our eyes and look with a heart of love and also know that just a kind word goes a long way these days. And so we, we thank you, Father, that we will be doers of the word. Right now, Father, we join in agreement and we pray, Father, for Arvo de Vida. We thank you, Father, that your spirit is there. You're here. You're everywhere. Hallelujah. And you, Father God, are in Arvo de Vida. Oh, Gloria a Dios. In Jesus' name, amen. And I thank you, Father, that that you're pouring out your spirit, that you're reviving them. We take authority over the enemy that would come against that work. We take authority over the evilness that's over that country, against cartels, against drug lords. In the name of Jesus, we say no more. Set those people in Leon, Guanajuato free in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your gift of your gift of the Holy Spirit is moving. They're, they're speaking the word, their signs, wonders and miracles. We thank you, Father, for all you're doing all over the world. We are a church that our life
light shines brightly. We are in this world. We're not of it, but we're here for a purpose, and that's to glorify our God all over the world. We pray for missionaries all over the world, particularly those in India and Cambodia and Vietnam. Oh, Lord, may they sense your presence. May they know you're with them, Father. May they know that you have your hand upon them and you protect them. And Lord, we thank you that you give grace, grace upon grace to them today, that they would rest in your spirit. We thank you, Father, that you are blessing us with revival. We are not just praying for revival. We confess that we are in revival in the name of Jesus. I know, Lord, that you give that spirit of revival in our hearts. We speak it out in the name of Jesus. We are in revival. We don't care what it looks like out in the world. That's not our standard. Your word is, and we have the Holy Spirit on the inside, and we stir up those gifts in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, you can't shake hands, so just smile at somebody and have a seat. (laughs) Hallelujah. I am really thrilled to be here, and uh, I I sit on the front row, and so when they say they're going to dismiss us us by rows, then everybody's gone by the time, because I sit up here. And so I never get to see all the people back there. And so, hello, thank you for coming today. <laughs> and this is great, just great. I am so thrilled to be here. And first of all, I want to thank the worship team. They are so great. We are so blessed here. We are so blessed. Yay. We are so blessed. They're all just such incredible musicians. And, and the people in the sound booth, let's give them a hand. Yay. Thank you for all you do. Hallelujah. Um, I remember when we first started, we didn't have all this fancy equipment. Uh, So we just had a, uh, well, about a year later, we had a projector. And if the bulb burned out, we were in trouble. (laughs) And we wrote the words out on a piece of like uh, plastic or something and put it in front of that projector that had that light and it shined on the wall. Uh, Boy, have things come a long way. Look at all this. (laughs) So we are really blessed. And so Don had asked me to minister, and I said, well, you know, okay. Uh, Because uh, because of being 74. But you know what? This is kind of what I think about this. Uh, God has kept me all these years. And I am just as excited about the Word of God today as I was when I came here in 1981. So, you know, age is just relevant. I, I just think the Word of God is the greatest treasure that we have as we walk on this earth. And no matter the things that happened in life, the Word of God is what gives us life. It gives us vitality. It gives us joy. It gives us a pathway to walk. And so um, Don had asked me, uh, because so many of you are new, and um, just to kind of visit down memory lane, which... Um, I really, if you know me, I just like to get right in the Word, but um, I wanted to share some specific things that I've kind of learned along life's path. And so um, some of you don't know our story, but I will tell you this, that uh, I was born in 1946, 
start at the very beginning. No, we're not going to do all that. But, um, and then Don and I, senior, uh, we met each other in high school. We were high school sweethearts. I was 16 and he had this fancy car, uh, a Malibu Super Sport. For those of you who probably don't remember what that is, but it was a maroon Malibu Super Sport, uh, sport four on the floor. And my mother told me, don't you get in that car. <laughs> but I did. And uh, that was one of the reasons I went out with him because he had that cool car. And, uh, and then like the day, one day, I was a year ahead of him. And uh, so uh, I was a senior and we had like a senior week. And so he let me have his car that day. So I dropped him off at school and I had my friends in the car and I just laid rubber down that whole side, side, that side of the street. And um, we didn't have cell phones in those days. <laughs> so he couldn't call me and tell me to stop and get out. And, and uh, see, so he was just like all day, he was thinking what was happening to his car. So anyway, we uh, got married. I went off to college. He uh, went the next year and then it was the Vietnam War. And in those days, they had the draft. So he knew he was going to be drafted. He didn't want to be drafted. He wanted to choose. And so he uh, signed up for the Army. And so he went to uh, basic training in Fort uh, Leonardwood, Leonardwood, Missouri, for many of you who've been in the military. Can, uh, can I see any military guys and veterans? Oh, my goodness. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. So he did basic training at uh, Fort uh, Leonardwood, Missouri, and then he did uh, what they call advanced individual training. He did that in Fort Ord, California, and then after Fort Ord, California, he was chosen to go to Officers Candidate School, which was at Fort Benning, Georgia. And so uh, after he finished Officers Candidate School, well, after that time, and I had moved uh, different places, and um, he got his orders to go to Vietnam. And so uh, he went to Vietnam, he was a second lieutenant, and in those days, you know, they needed a lot of second lieutenants because in the Vietnam War, a lot of them were dying. And so he went to Vietnam and, and uh, he was there for uh, that year. And then when he came home, he was home for a few months. But you know, I noticed right then, I noticed the change that this was not the same young man that, you know, I had married. And so, um, he was home for a while, and as you military wives know, I had a really hard time because I was the one who was in charge, and now he was the one home. And so uh, we worked all that out, but he had deeper, deeper issues because of the war. So he was home for a few months, and then he got orders to go back to Vietnam again. So then he goes back to Vietnam for his second tour, and uh, that one was just horrendous. So he came back, and then I... I knew that something was wrong, really wrong. Now in those days, you know, they just called it like uh, battle fatigue or something like that. They didn't have a name for it. They didn't call it PTSD. Nobody had a name that they call it now. They didn't have that then. And so it was just, uh, you know, it was just like you just get by the best that you can. And so uh, our life was very, very difficult. And then we were stationed, when he got back, we were stationed in uh, Salina, Kansas, and that was was uh, an Air Force base, but it was uh, a place where they called uh, waiting wives. They put wives there whose husbands had been killed in the war, and Don's job was to go and inform them their husbands had died and make arrangements for their family. Terrible job. 
So this did uh, even more grief in his heart. And so, you know, uh, I'm not telling anything that he wouldn't tell you, and, and it's on tape. He's told this many times. So he began drinking heavily and drinking and drinking and drinking. And so, you know, we were just in a not in a good situation. So after that tour, he decided to get out because his number came up again. He was supposed to go to Nam for the third time. And uh, he just decided, I'm, I'm going to get out. So we did. We got out. We moved to Indiana. He joined the National Guard, and he served in that for about five years. And so we lived in Indiana, and he had gotten a job. And in this job, he, he was like the top salesperson in their company. And he had um, this particular area, and you know, he wanted to always get home for the boys' Little League Baseball, and he, he wanted to be with Cub Scouts. And, you know, I was a, this is going back forever. I was a Cub Scout den mother, uh, you know, and he was a, a wee-below leader. You know, we ran it that long. And uh, so uh, he never went on the campouts because he said in Vietnam he had done enough camping. He, didn't, he never went on a Cub Scout campout. And uh, so... He had this job and he was, um, you know, he was like the top salesman and he had the biggest account that company had, but he was getting more unhappy and more unhappy and more unhappy and drinking more heavily. And, and so, you know, at home things were not good. And I'm just being real with you because what would it do you? What good would it do you if I just made up a fantasy and pretended to be something I'm not, you know? We're just here by the grace of God, I can tell you that. So um, uh, he just, he was really unhappy. But you know, I grew up in the church and I grew up uh, in, in the Baptist church and, you know, was always there and memorized scriptures and, uh, you know, and Don had gotten saved in an Assembly of God church when he was young. And, uh, you know, they had come down to the altar, the women of the altar had prayed over him, et cetera, et cetera. But he had, left God. He'd run away from God. And then he told me a couple of times he had like a foxhole experience with the Lord. You know, if you think you're going to die, then you say, God, I'm sorry. And um, so, but this man that had this big account that Don had to call on was a Christian. Well, so Don had to go call on this man. And so this man would say, you know, when Don would go call on him, he'd say, uh, Don and say, well, we, you know, need to get this order. And the guy would go, no, no, let's don't, we don't need to do that. Let's just talk about how you're doing. Oh, Don couldn't stand it. He was so angry about that. And so he told his boss, he went and told his boss, he said, I'm not going to call on that man anymore and uh, give my account to somebody else. And uh, everybody, of course, wanted it because the commission was so big. He said, just give it to somebody else. I don't want it. So the guy called the guy and told him, uh, um, Don Duncan's not going to call on you anymore. And the guy said to Don's boss, if you don't send Don Duncan over here, I'm going to take my account to another company. So Don's boss called him and, Don said, and said to Don, if you don't call on that account, you're fired. <laughs> so... I just want to say this. I, I don't even know that man's name. I don't even know who he is. God has people placed in strategic places that he uses. And we may never know them on earth. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to look that man up. We should all look him up.
So Don knew he had to call in the man. So that morning Don left. He was just grumpier than normal. And so he left and because uh, he had to call in that man. And he got about halfway there. And you realize we lived in Indiana, so it was down I-90, which is outside of Chicago. He pulled over to the side of the road and he started crying and crying and telling God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I repent. I, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for everything I've done. I just, forgive me, forgive me. And he cried by the side of the road for two hours. So he went and called on that guy and the guy saw Don come in and he just held out his arms and embraced him, called him his brother and said, I want to pray for you. And the man prayed for him. And so Don cried all the way home. And when he came in the door, I was standing at the sink. I'll never forget this moment. I turned around. I looked at him because I heard him come in from the garage. And I looked at him and I knew in an instant something had changed. There was a glow. There was a peace. There was a joy. There was a kindness. And he said to me, Karen, if you'll forgive me, for all the things that I've done, all the ways that I've hurt you, all the things I've done. From this moment on, we will always, we will follow God and we will always tell people that what God did for us, he'll do for them. I mean, it's an amazing story, yes. That was your pastor. So, you know, I was just praying and I just wanted him to follow God. Listen, let me tell you, I did not pray for him to be a fanatic. <laughs> I just wanted him to be good and nice. <laughs> so, so we served in our local church. We were go started going to a Sunday school, and, uh, but we got involved in a small group. I don't know if I ever told this part of the story or not, but it's worth telling for the sake of a small group. So we go to this small group and we're in this small group. It's in somebody's home. There's about 10 of us. And I'm telling you, they just received Don. They just loved him. And he couldn't wait every week. Uh, it didn't matter how far he had to travel that day. He couldn't wait to get home to go to that small group. And they loved us. They prayed for us. We became friends all these years. We've still been friends. Well, a couple years into that part of the journey, Don came home one day and he said, well, I feel the Lord's telling me to go to Bible school. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You're kidding. And, you know, so in my head, I'm thinking about how normal people do it. You know, you save up money, you sell your house and you get ready. Oh, no, not us. We just got a U-Haul, <laughs> put the necessary items in it and took off for Oklahoma. Well, that was the first house we ever had that we actually owned. It cost us $30,000. And I, it was just, you know, it was a dream. But we left that. We go to Tulsa. We go to Bible school. We did odd jobs to get through. You know, I, we, I cleaned office buildings in the middle of the night. And that was scary. And uh, we painted. And Don painted. I remember in this one room painting. And there were bugs running all over. And I said to Don, there's bugs in here. And he's like, this is Don. We'll take authority over them. <laughs> I said I didn't want him to be a fanatic, but he was. And I just said, okay, well, I take authority over you, bugs. And I think more came. <laughs> so you know what I did? I painted them right in the wall. 
And I think that's probably they thought it was the finish or something. So at the end of that time, Don said, well, I think we're going to go to Texas. And I'm like, I have never been to Texas. And I've never been here in my life. Didn't know I really wanted to come at that time. And uh, he said, no, I think we're going to Texas. So I said, oh, okay. Through a series of events, uh, we got another U-Haul and um, came to New Braunfels. And we had a meeting with about 12 people. And uh, Don said to me, we're going to start a church. And I'm just like, what? Okay. Because, you know, I was just glad that he loved God. I mean, that's all. I just want him to love God. If you've ever been in that situation, you're like, okay, if you want to try and part the Red Sea, I'm for it. I just don't want you to be mean at the house anymore. You know what I mean? I'm just like, okay. I wasn't always that. Sometimes I'd say, this is crazy. You miss God. We need to go home, wherever home was. But he said, no, we're going to start a church. And so that's what we did. You know, I look back at the time and I just thought, you know, how, how in the world uh, that all happened now, after 40 years, the church is still here and growing. It's, it, let's just thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so we just did what we thought was good, was to teach about God's goodness, God's faithfulness. That was about all we knew in those days because he'd been so good and so faithful to us. And also, I, I want to say this because I don't want to forget it. With Pastor Don Sr., there was something that he had, I believe we all have, I don't know that we ever talk about it, but he walked in a spirit of mercy He just, he loved everybody. He just had this kind of merciful thinking for everybody. And he just wanted to tell people how good God was. He laid a great foundation. In Ephesians chapter 1, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, I want to tell you this morning that I'm going to teach out of the Message Bible. Never done that in my life. I don't actually have a Message Bible. I have a combined Bible with the NIV on one side and the Message on the other. How confusing is that? <laughs> I, I'll just stay on, in my lane here. In the Message Bible, in the um, chapter 2, I'm going to read 8 and 9. It says, but for, for grace, by grace, we have been saved. No, neither make nor save ourselves. We neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Jesus Christ to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we'd better be doing. In the NIV, in uh, chapter 2, Verse 8, it says, By grace have you been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you see, God has a plan for your life. 
He has prepared something for your life. Just like he had prepared that man that uh, Don went to see that day. He had prepared for that. He had prepared that man to speak the gospel to Don. I mean, we don't always know what God has planned for us, but he has created us. He has saved us and he had planned for us something for us to do. God doesn't create things without a purpose. I want to say this about that. God didn't create us to be on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You know, I thought about this. You know, Facebook, we need to have our face in the book. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) I mean, stretch, stretch. (laughs) This book. Here we are still in Ephesians. In chapter one. It says, God, long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind. When? Long before he had you in mind. He had you in mind. Maybe you think that you've gotten yourself where you are, but listen, God created you, gave you gifts, abilities for a purpose. I didn't really realize that. Honestly, I didn't. I was just like, thank God he's saved and following God. I had no clue. I did not know about Tree of Life. I did not know. I mean, when he told me what he was going to call it, I said, well, how am I going to explain to the lady at the checkout at the grocery store what the name of the church is? Nobody has ever heard of a church named Tree of Life. Could we be Victory Center? I mean, that's just my mind. I'd like to be a common name. But he, he just stuck to it. No, it's Tree of Life. I'm like, okay. So it said, God had us in mind. But it says in this verse, he had settled on us as the focus of his love. That's what it says in the message Bible. He focuses his love on us. He's the focus. We are the focus of his love. And you know, when I read it in the message Bible, all I could think about is, you know how you have those big uh, um, microscopes or those big looking glasses and how you focus it down on something? God does that to us. He focuses his love on us. He had us in mind. He focused his love on us. He made us holy by his love. I'm going to jump down to verse seven. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar, we're a free people, free of penalties, free of punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds and not just barely free. In the message Bible, it says abundantly free. I mean, isn't that great? We are abundantly free. I don't know. Maybe you don't feel abundantly free this morning. I don't know. Maybe you don't feel that. Maybe you feel in bondage. Maybe you don't feel free, but the word of God says he made us, gave us gifts. He created us to be abundantly free, abundantly free. I admit there were times I did not feel abundantly free. I felt weighed down with depression. I felt worried about all of these things. I felt just like, oh, maybe I've lost my joy. And then I would go to the word of God and I would find a scripture that says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then I read this in the message. It says abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. I mean, 
I always took such delight in making Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas for my kids. I could hardly wait till they get home. And I'd say, what's your favorite thing? And I can I tell you that for like 50 years, we've had the same menu for Christmas and Thanksgiving because they love it. I make it because I plan for them. I want them to be joyful. I want them to, I want them to be blessed. I love them. Think about God. That's how God thinks about you. Abundantly free. He has planned everything for you. Everything. He set it all out before us. A long-range plan. Long-range. Ah, that's kind of reality. I like instant. I'm kidding. Okay. A long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything on planet Earth. Verse 11. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Let's look at that again. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find out who you are and what you're living for if you're on social media and Facebook. And I, I don't want to preach on that, but that, that's not the image. I, I do pray that our kids don't have that image of that's wealth and that's fame and that's what we live for. That is not what we live for. That is not lasting joy. The world just deceives them. It says it's in Christ, in Christ. And he will let us know. He will let us know. I just think about all of the things that, that were so abundant in our life and we did not know, but I know this. God had planned this. God had planned this. And God has planned your life. But you know, I always like to look in the word and find somebody that I can relate to because it gives me faith. You know, the word says faith comes by hearing. I mean, you have to hear this to have faith for this. You have to hear this for you to have courageous faith. Do you know that it takes courageous faith to step out and follow God? Courageous faith to follow God. But you can do it because his Holy Spirit lives in you. So I found a person in the Bible that kind of I related to, and Don and I related to. Uh, in the Old Testament, let's look at the book of Jonah. I know, I heard that. I heard that groan in your minds. Jonah. I know you've heard the Bible story about Jonah. I know you've heard uh, how he was in a boat and he got thrown overboard and swallowed by a whale. But you know what? The story does have a happy ending. But the thing I want us to see today in Jonah is something we can all relate to. Verse 1 of Jonah, and I believe we have the message Bible. One day, long ago, God's word came to Jonah. It starts out in this chapter. Uh, it says, before it says that, I don't know if you can put up before it says that. It says, running away from God. That's the title of this chapter. Running away from God. In the New International, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, but he ran away from the Lord. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction. I just want to ask you, when God has 
spoken to you, when God has something for you to do, do you get up and run the other direction? You know, I said it takes courageous faith to follow God. I am so glad that Don didn't run the other direction. But I understand running the other direction. I do. I do understand that. You know, we could all look at our lives and say, well, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. Uh, but can I say this? I, I mean, maybe, what are you running from? I just want to ask you. That's what I want to ask you. What, you're running, what are you running from? You know, this Bible is just very pinpoints in our heart. What are you running from? Jonah got up and, and ran from the presence of the Lord. God had given him an assignment and he ran the other way. You know, he could have gone, he did go to uh, Nineveh eventually. That was only 500 miles away. But you know, he got on a boat and he went 2,500 miles the opposite way to the end of the known world at that time. 2,500 miles he ran away from God. Maybe you want to do your own thing. Maybe you resent God. I mean, there are reasons that we run from God. And I want to say this. God doesn't call perfect people. He doesn't. We weren't perfect. I'm not perfect now. You know, we're just humans. We have emotions. And those emotions come up. And I want to tell you this. If we're running from fear, fear will drive you from the will of God. Pride can drive you from the will of God. Resenting what God has called you to do can drive you from the will of God. Thinking that we have a better way can drive you from the presence of the, of the Lord. Pain from the past causes us to run. So let's get back to Jonah. So Jonah got up and went the other direction, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship. He paid the fare. He paid the fare. I want you to underline that. He paid the fare. Do you know running from God will cost you something? Trust me, this is a good news message. Running from God will cost you something. In our own lives, it cost us a great deal in those first few years. It says he paid the fare. He went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far away from God as he could get. Let's just read on. But there, God sent a huge storm at sea and the waves were towering. The ship was about to break in pieces. The sailors were terrified. They called out in desperation to their gods. They threw everything they were carrying overboard. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship to take a nap. He was sound asleep. The captain said, what is this, sleeping? Get up, pray to your God. Maybe your God will see us and rescue us. And the sailors said, let's get together. I mean, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's see who this culprit is. So they drew straws and drew straws and Jonah drew, Jonah drew this short straw. They said, confess, Why is, what is this disaster? What is your work? Where do you come from? What country? What family? And right here in his life is what I've entitled this sermon, A Moment of Truth. A moment of truth comes to all of us. Don's moment of truth came on the side of the road. 
There's a moment of truth that comes to all of us. And what did he do? He told them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship God, the God of heaven who made sea and land. You know what? He had that moment of truth. He acknowledged who he was. And he said, I serve the true and living God. They were so frightened and they said, what on earth have you done? As Jonah talked, they realized he was running from God. And they said, what are we going to do with you to get rid of this storm? By, by this time, the sea, sea was wild and totally out of control. I want to just, in, I just want to exhort you running from God will cost you something. Running from God will hurt others. That's what it says here with Jonah. These were innocent men on this ship. And they said to Jonah, what have you done? What have you done? But running from God can hurt others. And by this time, it was, it says in the message Bible, their lives were wildly out of control. I don't know where your life is. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if it's maybe wildly out of control. I don't know. Jonah said, throw me overboard into the sea. Then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of the storm. Get rid of me and you'll get rid of the storm. But the men, the men tried rowing back to shore. They could not because the storm only got worse. I want to say this about that. If you try to fix things on your own, they frantically tried to row back to shore. I've been there. You try to fix things on your own, try to do things on your own, try to do things in your own strength. Your life can still get out of control. It's not by our works that we're saved. It's by God's grace and God's mercy. But they, they tried to row back to shore. And I mean, the ship just even got more wildly out of control. And then they prayed to God, don't let us drown because of this man's life and don't blame us for his death. You are God, do what you think is best. So they took Jonah and threw him overboard and immediately the sea was calmed. The sailors were impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. They worshiped God and made a sacrifice. I wanna, I'll finish. Made, and they made vows. Then God assigned a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the fish's belly three days. Now, we all know that story from Sunday school, but I want to say this about that. These men in the first part of that chapter said, oh, we've prayed to our gods. What, what would have been their gods? I don't know, but they would have been made with their own hands because they made gods out of their own hands. And sometimes we do that and we bow down and we worship money. We worship fame. We worship our plans or all of our other things, but they did not know God. And then they said to Jonah, call on your God because your God is God and he will save us. Now look, let's look at the bigger picture here. Life is not all about you. Life is not all about me. God cared about those men in that ship and they had their eyes open that God was God. Your life is not to be lived for yourself. It's for others. We're here for two reasons, to honor God and live for others, to help, to be an encouragement, to give other people life, to speak the word of God, to be a witness. The other men in that boat say, your God is God. Pray to your God. He will deliver us.
You see, God cares about everybody. God cares about everybody. God didn't just care about Pastor Don. God cared about all of us. Don didn't even know us. He knew me. He didn't know all of us. (laughs) He didn't know all of us. God cares about the bigger picture. And I, this is something we used to say a long time ago, old Pentecostal service. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Every sinner has a future. I'll just tell you the rest of the story. You know, the fish swallowed him up. We won't go into that. But I just want to say that in chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God never gives up. Never. He doesn't have plan B, C, D, F, Z, X, Y, Z. He has a plan for your life. He made you. He created you. He gave you gifts. He put you in places that it will take courageous faith. But he's with you. He's with you. And he wants you to be a blessing to others. Now, Jonah had a moment. I call Jonah's moment. Jonah had a fish moment. Don had a car beside the road moment. But I want to say to you, could this be your moment? Could this be your moment of truth? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.